Father God, as your creation worships you, so do we. As the rocks cry out in worship, so do we. For you and you alone are worthy of all our praise and worship. We love you, Lord. Amen. Hello, everyone. It's great to be with you again. And for those who've been looking at our staff dress-ups when we meet for our staff meeting on a Monday, you would have seen us dressed in our favourite holiday gear last week. Unfortunately, though, I have some very disappointing news for you, and that is that that is the last time that you'll be seeing the staff dressing up at their meeting on a Monday morning. The staff have said they're all dressed out, and now I have to come up with some other fun thing to do at the beginning of our staff meetings. So any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Now I've shared that very important piece of news, let's move on to our One Peter series. Last week we heard that uh, Peter wrote this letter to the persecuted Gentile believers. Today, as we continue in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, we see at the beginning of verse 13, it says, therefore. And whenever we see the word therefore in the scriptures, we need to find out what it is there for. And in this case, Peter is referring back to what he said in the previous verses, where he's reminded these believers they are a new family with a living hope. They have a new inheritance and a new home in heaven and they have a God who will protect them and look after them. So with that in mind, we then move forward into how these believers are to live a new life because of the amazing salvation that God's provided with for them. And so now if you turn with me in your Bibles and we're starting at verse 13 of chapter 1. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart for you have been born again not of perishable seed 
but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Be holy because I am holy. This is a quote from Leviticus where God commanded the Israelites to obey his laws and separate themselves from all the pagan practices that were going on around them. And Peter's using this example to encourage these New Testament believers to also separate themselves from their former sinful ways and to demonstrate their new life of obedience to God. We know God's holy because he's perfectly pure and complete in moral character. The Bible teaches there is an absolute morality and it's not based on rules or regulations but on God himself and his holiness. But atheists reject God's holiness because they reject God. They try to substitute something called moral relativism. And this is the idea that there's no absolute set of moral principles. What's right for you may be different from what's right for me. Some are even willing to are not willing to oppose moral horrors, including human sacrifice, ethnic cleansing and slavery, because they believe that no one has the right to criticise the moral views of anyone else or any group or culture. Sadly, when you remove God from morality, that's what you can end up with. The question for us, though, is how are we supposed to be holy with pure and complete moral character like that of God? I mean, we're all human and we all do wrong things. So how are we to be holy like God is holy? Well, the holiness that God is asking from us here is firstly who we are based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our positional holiness. Let me explain what I mean. If you're a follower of Jesus, then the Bible says you've been given a new heart, you're a new person, and the old person is gone. Hebrews 10 says it like this. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But in our scripture today, Peter's also talking about uh, our lifestyle and our actions also being holy. And this is our practical holiness. Think of it like this. Once we place our faith in Jesus and we become a child of God, this is just the beginning of our journey. We're like a child who grows up and learns and becomes wiser and matures. So in fact, holiness is a lifelong pursuit. It's something that we have to work at, something we have to struggle with, and certainly something we have to pray about. So holiness isn't just who we are in Christ. It's also how we live for Christ. 
Peter tells us to live our lives set apart from the world. And to be able to do that, we need to prepare our minds for action, for the way that we're going to live. Think about professional athletes. They prepare themselves mentally to be able to perform physically. They, they need to prepare their minds to focus on what it is they need to do. We prepare our minds and hearts for holy living by regular study of God's word, by spending time with God in prayer, by spending time with other believers in fellowship and prayer and focusing on serving God and serving others. Just like a lazy athlete will never be able to do what they're meant to do without putting in that preparation, neither will a lazy Christian be able to do what God is asking them to do. So we keep our minds alert and sober by exercising self-control and thinking clearly and not getting intoxicated by the world's values. Now at some point or another we've all lived in ignorance of Christ and his great salvation. When we became a Christian we weren't all of a sudden full of wisdom and understanding, were we? If anything, we realised how much we don't know. And it's not like all of our evil desires suddenly disappeared. Someone once said to me that I was probably never tempted to do wrong things because I'm a pastor. And I said, yes, you're right. I am so holy I am totally beyond temptation. Of course I didn't say that. Of course I'm tempted. Of course I do wrong things. But the central concept in the idea of holiness is that we don't intentionally choose to go back to sin. After all, sin is what separated us from God in the first place. And not just sin itself but also the consequences of sin. Even the world understands this concept. If the world sees us lying, cheating, swearing, drinking too much alcohol, whatever it might be, what does the world then call us? Yep, hypocrites. If we're going to be set apart from the world, we need to allow God to do some housekeeping once in a while and clean out the rubbish in our lives. But being holy isn't just about what we don't do, it's also about what we do do as well. If being set apart in the way we live our lives could be done just by keeping rules, then the Pharisees would have been shoo-ins for heaven. They had the rules down pat. They knew exactly what they shouldn't do. The trouble was they didn't do what they should do, and that was to love people and, and care about them. Now, I want to make something very clear here. If you're a perfectionist like me, and sometimes feel as though you're not measuring up by what you do for God. 
then I really want you to take this in. We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. Did you hear that? We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. This is one of the many things that I love about our church family. You guys care about people. You visit them in their homes and in hospital. You send cards and emails and texts of encouragement. You're generous with your time and your resources. You reach out to those in need in our community. And you do all this not because you're following a set of rules so you'll be accepted by God. You do it because you're already loved and accepted by God. Ephesians talks about this. Paul was writing to Gentiles who'd left paganism and had become Christians. And this is what he said to them. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Joss gave us a great example of this in today's Kids Talk, didn't she? We don't just take off our old clothes, we need to put on our new clothes as well. And we need to take off sin, but we also need to put on God's new and holy way of living. We need to take off the world's way of getting back at people who hurt us and take on God's way of forgiving them and loving them. We need to take off the world's way of focusing on material things and success and we need to put on God's way of focusing on him and what he says in his word. As we read through this scripture, we see that when we come to verse 17, Peter actually makes a switch from us living a life of holiness to us living a life of reverence. Verse 17 says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Peter's reminding us that even though we're secure in our position as a child of God, that doesn't mean that our disobedience will pass undisciplined by God. A loving parent loves their child enough to discipline them. And we need to hold God in awe and reverence for who he is. And we ought not to want to disappoint him or offend him or face his discipline for disobedience. So that healthy respect for God means that we won't deliberately sin, but we'll earnestly seek to allow Christ's spirit to lead us in our actions and in our attitudes. The New Testament often speaks of God as our father. 
when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, his prayer started with the words, Our Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul wrote, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So when we get to 1 Peter, God speaks to us as his children and he commands us to be holy because he is holy. Essentially, God is commanding us to grow up to be like him, to be like our heavenly dad, to be like Jesus. When we study God's word, we grow in our understanding of who Jesus is and how we're to live like he did. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to mature and to develop us, we're transformed more and more to be like Jesus, to be set apart, to be holy because he is holy. Peter reminds these believers that they were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. We were held in slavery to sin, but praise God, Jesus has paid the price to set us free. So I want you to notice in verse 17 Peter says, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. None of us will live eternity in this world, filled with all its pain, all its suffering, all its injustice. So we need to think of ourselves as as foreigners or visitors here on this earth, Not, not fearing what will happen to us, or fearing those who persecute us. That's why Peter encourages us not to focus on hoping that our sufferings or whatever we're going through right now in our lives will end. Don't focus on that because our faith and our hope are in God. So we have that wonderful blessing of being able to look forward with anticipation to the grace we'll receive when our salvation is finally complete at the return of Jesus Christ. Now again, Peter makes a shift. From verse uh, 22, Peter moves from a life of reverence to a life of love. Now that you have been purified or been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. One of the tests of holy living is demonstrated by how we love each other. The social acceptance that tempts us to sin loses its power when the community of faith unites in love. This is one of the things that enables us to stand firm against the temptation to follow the crowd. Jesus says it himself in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It can be a struggle living every day as an authentic, holy disciple of Jesus. And every one of us will sometimes fall back into the old patterns of sinful behaviour. But Peter encourages us to hold on to the things that are permanent. He says, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. These are the things that will never let us down. Our salvation, our citizenship in heaven and the joy that we will have in the presence of our Father. This is why we need to be courageous about who we belong to. In the Old Testament, every day of his life, the high priest dedicated himself to serving God. And when you looked at his face, there was no mistaking who he belonged to. Because fixed to his turban on a golden plate were engraved the words, Holy to the Lord. This man was a walking billboard for God. Everywhere he went, there was a declaration on his forehead that he was set apart for God. Now, we can have similar things today like uh, bumper stickers and uh, T-shirts with I love Jesus on them or signs out the front of our churches. And all that's absolutely fine. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, there's a more powerful way to be that walking billboard for him. It says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. The Bible tells us when we imitate God, people can see him in us. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're called to be salt and light. We are responsible for the taste of God that we leave with others. When it comes to being a light in the world, we have a choice how brightly we'll shine. Are we a candle? A light bulb? Or are we a lighthouse? Are there people in your world who are in darkness because you are not shining Jesus' light brightly enough? As I said, living a life of holiness isn't easy. And there's no way we'll be able to live this holy life in our own strength. Only in God's strength. The reality is we will fail. 
if we try to become holy in the way we live without the power of God's word and spirit leading us. On one of our visits to the Klong Toy slums in Bangkok, I was really overwhelmed with the needs, the violence, the poverty and the spiritual darkness that was all around us. I said to Angie Barker, who lived and ministered in the slum, how on earth do you know where to start? Angie replied, it's like trying to eat an elephant. You can only do it one mouthful at a time. And it's the same for us. The choice to be a people set apart, to be holy because God is holy. This is a daily choice and commitment. As Dave said last week, our worship and focus on God needs to start as soon as we wake up in the morning, needs to continue on all throughout the day and it needs to be the last thing on our mind and in our heart at night. Can I also encourage us to be regularly checking how we're living our lives by asking ourselves these questions or something like them. Is this something that God would say? Is this something I'd be comfortable watching or reading or doing if Jesus was sitting beside me? If I do this, will it please and honour my Heavenly Father? We are called as a people who are set apart. We are called to be holy because our God is holy. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for making us new. Thank you for the gift of salvation and the eternal hope we have in you. We pray this will be our focus as we live each day for you and for others. Help us to become more like Jesus so others will see you in us and come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. We know that your word endures forever and we ask through your word and spirit that you would make us holy as you are holy. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.